I'm Jamie Adams, and I'm acting like I've got it all together. I'm Sam Mags, and Fantasy Flight saw me coming. And I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm older, but not necessarily wiser. And this is Brainwaves, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. And these are the headlines for the week of 30th of September 2018. Flick where nobody has flicked before in the new game from WizKids. Get your feet wet in the follow-up game to Tales from the Loop. And the next game from GMT is going to be absolutely fantastic. All this and more in this week's Brainwaves. There's been an announcement from WizKids who are going to release a new dexterity game set in the universe of Star Trek. Based around the similar mechanics used in Seal Team Flicks that is being released very, very soon. Designed by Mike Elliott, designer of Thunderstone and Star Trek Fleet Captains. Star Trek Conflict in the Neutral Zone uh, has been announced. Boom, boom. boom. Yes. What a title. It's nice. It's nice. It's simple. <laughs> They're here all I reckon they came up with that and made a game. Yeah. yeah. Just like, we need, it, we need a game about Flick and Conflict. Yeah, like, let's do that. I think the title came first. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, if I came out with a title like that for a game, I would totally make it. Funnily enough, well, the game is going to... It's a two-player game. It's going to feature the Federation and Klingon empires vying uh, to exploit planets in the neutral zone. Uh, and the ships will be represented by discs that you'll be able to flick to collect resources or attack other ships. You can get uh, flick the ships within range of things. A bit like Flick'em Up uh, from Pretzel Games. Reminds me a little bit of Ascending Empires, which I still have a copy of from a few years ago as well. A little bit, uh, a little bit, yeah. And you can put down, uh, opponents can put down asteroids so to deflect shots and kind of keep their ships alive. Yeah, if you can, if a, if you can knock an opposing ship off the planet or game board, you've killed it. Sounds pretty simple. Nice little flick and dexterity game. Well, I like little games like this. I think Flick'em Up was absolutely fantastic. Really, really loved Flick'em Up. Um, and if they can bring a decent Star Trek theme to this, you know, if you can really kind of get that whilst it being kind of, you know, I think they're obviously going for like a jokey, fun oh, game. Yes. I mean, it's only it's only um, meant to play for 20 minutes or so, so it's just going to yeah. be a light uh, thing. T- two to four players it's going to play, so it might be... Yeah. Uh, yeah, be fine. That seems absolutely fine. Yes, as I said before, it's hot on the heels of SEAL Team Flicks which is either coming out or has just come out, which is, as the name suggests, um, US counter-terrorism SEAL teams versus the forces of terrorism all through little flicking discs. I'd rather play Star Trek. <laughs> Personally, me too. Free Alagon are back on Kickstarter with a follow-up to their excellent Tales from the Loop game. Things from the Flood is their new venture and it also has already burst through its goal, getting 195,000 from the 8,000 originally asked, and uh, it seems to be, it's a darker game set in the mid-90s instead uh, of the 80s of Tales from the Loop, and this time round your characters can die as well and they can also be the teenage versions of the kids you played in Tales from the Loop featuring the still fantastic art of uh, Simon Stalhag um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one I still need to play Tales from the Loop, I think Sam, you've got a copy, do you? Do indeed. Tales from the Loop yeah, I really, yeah, want, to, really want to get that to the table. Haven't played it yet. Have a shot read through it. the book. Read through the rules. I'm not going to be GMing it, so I haven't really read any of the um, any of the stories that come in the core book. Um, avoiding that, but kind of the play of the game and everything sounds very good. It's completely story led by the characters. Yeah. Um, puts a lot of emphasis on um, playing out scenes. So yeah. rather than kind of just playing out your your 
you know, like you might in D&D where you play through an entire day yeah. and have to say what you're doing every point in that day. It, it definitely kind of takes that movie TV approach of just picking scenes um, that you play through as... I'm, I'm familiar characters. with that from a lot of story games to do yeah, that, yeah. Blades in the Dark, that kind of thing. They all do that kind of thing. A very kind of episodic yeah, feel I'd, I'd be it. interested in getting into that game, definitely. Seems great. This... You know, this looks fantastic. I mean, like all we've got at the moment really is the art and a, and a couple of um, a couple of paragraphs from the Kickstarter. Um, it, it reminds you, like aesthetically, it reminds me a little bit more of like. Um, have you seen the TV series The Dark? So German TV series. No, I have I've heard a lot about kids, it, but I haven't seen it. Sci-fi-ish kind of weirdness going on. It reminds me a bit more of that than like Stranger Things does with Tales from the Loop. But yeah, that's fair enough. It looks great. Yeah, it, it looks does. Absolutely great. GMT Games is most famously known for historical-based uh, war games. Usually, well, they're most famously known for Twilight Struggle, the Cold War played out on the tabletop. Now, there's been an announcement they're going to be moving away slightly from that, at least for one game so far, with its new game, Mystery Wizard, which, of course, I'm sure you know, takes place uh, during the Mystery Wizard era of the 15th century. A well-known and documented period of the 15th century. Absolutely. Uh, instead of leading soldiers across a map, it plays up to six players, uh, and it's a capture-the-flag-style kind of race game. You'll be playing. You'll be playing sorcerers dueling with magic, uh, asymmetric uh, asymmetric powers, which is always nice and interesting to see. And they've got to loot a central tower and transport mysteries back to their starting village. You can play as a bear and a pig. A bear carrying a pig. Well, sold, basically. Yeah. Take my money. It's, it's again, again, like a lot of GMT, it's very card-driven, uh, but it's pushing more towards the lighter end of the kind of games that they produce. Says They've said the game is going to play in between 45 minutes to an hour and a half, which is quite nice, and it's part of GMT's P500 program, which requires a minimum of 500 pre-orders before it's considered for a full release. Yeah, it's effectively their own version of sort of Kickstarter yes. crowdfunding. They've done this with a lot of games, and you also get it cheaper if you um, pre-order it. Uh, you just don't quite know when you're going to get it because obviously they need to break the 500 to to print the game. Yeah, they do it for a lot of their re um, their reprints as well. No, it, it seems like a fairly sensible system for a smaller company to do. Yeah, no, clearly it definitely seems like they're going for a much more silly approach now um, than a lot of their previous or games. Or at least, at least the first say. one, I think it's trying to break people into maybe the war game kind of market by going, not everything is almost impenetrable. Here's something that might be a bit easier to understand. First. Yeah, definitely more like hard approach. I always have a slight issue with playing sort of like historical war games. Like, yeah. I don't know if it makes light of the period. I have, I have worries about that kind of stuff. But I understand that people enjoy them and like can teach about that kind of historical period. But... It's nice to see that company produce something lighter. Flicking through the um, the playable wizards. Yes, yeah, so you look into them as well. Getting a very Adventure Time feel of the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I thought that as well. Um, when I had a look. So it's interesting, really interesting to see them going in this direction, like so hard straight away. More news now. More news. Keeping on the news. That's what we do. More news. Heaven for Fend. We've talked many times on this podcast about the transition from the tabletop to the screen um, in video games. Um, now, lots and lots of board games are being ported over to the Switch. Starting with Carcassonne, then we're getting Settlers of Catan, Pandemic, and even an adaptation of Munchkin from Steve Jackson Games. Also, Sam, the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game. Which is 
kind of exciting. I, I probably will get it on the Switch. I've got. A, I think I'm the only person out of us three who has a Switch. I really want one. But I don't yeah, know of... how much I'd play a lot of these games on the Switch. I've got an, I've got an iPad and it has a bigger screen than I, I have found the Switch's screen is quite small. Um, that's my only kind of downside about playing things like a then again i think a lot of people play these kind of board, digital board games on their phones and that kind of thing so it, it's a logical step for them to like go absolutely to, no, go to that platform that is primarily let's face it, a, a portable platform yes and yeah and it opens up the world of board games to a new uh, a new demographic which is really good completely it does and i'd like to see what else comes out on this um i think it's worth you know just from this these are all out of asmodee digital and yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like it. This is something that we spoke about, maybe even in the first episode of this podcast, the formation of Asmodee Digital. Yeah, it was pretty early on. they're now going hard on these digital remakes of games and releasing games over multiple platforms. And the Switch is just the latest in that. You know, I think most of these games have been out on PC and iOS for a long time. And um, I don't think Munchkin has. I think that's a new one to the, to the digital yeah realm it seems to be a good range of gateway games as well uh, in there sort of like yeah i think that's absolutely to the board gaming hobby obviously lord of the rings lcg is not quite but it's a big sort of franchise name so i can understand why that's in there as well yeah it'll be interesting to see what that does and see see how these games play as well sure one of mine and jamie's favorite games is getting an expansion tap 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 what's that sound it's the pawn from magic maze Frantically banging on the table. Magic Maze Hidden Rolls has just been announced from Sit Down Games. Introducing, well, as, as the title alludes to, Hidden Rolls to the silent co-op rage inducer. Bound to make players even more salty. One of you could be a traitor and doesn't want to leave the maze after all. Um, the expansion will also add... Um, hidden objectives for each player to do throughout the game, maybe something that you can secretly um, lure a player into helping you out with, or you can help another player accomplish their goal. Um, Seems very interesting. More stuff for Magic Maze, I think, is always good, even though the game, the base set is, even the base set is so complex on its own that actually doesn't need any more craziness, but it, it kind of wants more craziness. And the more things you can just add to this pile of anger the the better i feel <laughs> I, I sense you're angry about it sam um it has produced a lot of fun and rage inducing fun if that makes any sense we had a really good time with it i think yes um, yeah and i th- what we i think we got onto a real rhythm with it and we were trying to figure out all these little signs we could do for e- do to each other and ways we could tell each other certain things. So you're not allowed to talk during Magic Maze. I might as well just put that in now. Um, And instead, if you want to get someone's attention, there's a pawn that you just frantically bang in front of them. Um, And it's, it's just pure joy and, yeah, anger playing this game. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I think adding, Uh, adding a hidden role element to to that. um, I'm looking forward to that. I immediately heard about this and thought, of course, the one thing I really need when I can't talk and I'm working with other people to get out of a, uh, a shopping mall as quickly as possible is people one of them with not their to own, do that. <laughs> not, not, yeah, is people with their own agendas and one person who doesn't want to leave. Uh, no, I, I think it sounds absolutely fantastic and I'd, I'd like to keep my eye on that one. There's been a release recently from Fail Better Games, a company most commonly known for their browser game Echo Bazaar or Fallen London and their two 
rogue-alike game set in the fallen London universe, Sunless Seas, and the soon-to-be-released Sunless Skies. Uh, they're all on. Uh, they're all video games set in a alternate Victorian-esque London, where London has been pulled into the subterranean depths, and we are consorting with he- uh, demons from hell. And there's gribbly monsters and people who die go off to a colony somewhere where they just wear lots of bandages and everything is really terrifying and really well written but they've just released a sunless skies tabletop rpg from the creators of the spire and honey heist grant howitt and chris taylor Uh, the game will see the tabletop rpg i should mean will see you playing as characters in the Sunless Skies universe, where you are all crewmen aboard a spacefaring locomotive, and you'll be travelling between the various floating islands and colonies of the Reach, and it's up to you on what you do. Do you become pirates and thieves, or smugglers, or do you work for the Navy? Do you work for Her Imperial Majesty, or do you sign on with the Tackety Men and be a little bit naughty? I've been playing Fallen London for several years now. Um, I was drawn in. I was drawn into it because the really well written and lovely world building and such a, a great depth to it, um, and some really wonderful storylines as part of the browser game. Yeah. I also backed both Sunless Sea and Sunless Skies on their Kickstarters, uh, and I, I really enjoyed playing Sunless Sea. It got a little bit repetitive after a while, but I think by its very nature, it's going to. I've been playing a bit of Sunless Skies since it was up on Early Access and in in a very similar vein, it's good fun, but I just need to... It's good to play it in short bursts because it can get very repetitive. Yeah, I think I'll probably check this one out because uh, I'm really interested in the Spire. Um, it looks really, really cool. It looks a bit Blades and Darkish to me and uh, that sort of like sort of city setting where you're changing stuff by your actions. And it's also worth noting that they have just recently released... Um, a sort of SRD for that system, the sort of the base core of that system that other people can use. I think they call it a resistance system or something like that. Uh, I'll put links to that in the show notes, uh, but anyone can use that to make their own kind of games in a sort of Spire-style uh, vein where you're changing the world around you via your actions. So that'll be interesting to check out. Are you sitting comfortably, Sam? I, I think so. Pull up a nice comfy chair and let me read you uh, a story. For we have, we have visited the city of Dunwich, Massachusetts before, but now... Now we're going back. We're going to return to Dunwich. In the latest expansion announced by Fancy Flight Games I don't want to for the Arkham back Horror LCG. We're going back, Sam. We have want to go back. back. Yes, uh, in uh, follow-up to their return, uh, they recently announced uh, Return to Dunwich Legacy. This is a follow-up to their Return to the Night of the Zealots. And it looks like they're going to be doing this for all of their um, core campaigns for the Arkham Horror LCG, which I'm really looking forward to. I haven't managed to get into Return to the Night of the Zealot yet. I've, only, I've just recently returned to playing Arkham Horror with a friend of mine, and I'm really, really excited to get into that uh, play through the Forgotten Age. And yeah, just more Arkham Horror to me yeah. is just great. Comes in these cute little boxes with all the little dividers for all the um, all the scenario packs. And that it's just a thing. really nice, just a really nice presentation to, to store everything. And, which I've and they're going to look really good together on your shelf. Uh, really, really excited about that. And there's a bunch of more Arkham Horror news as well. They've just announced Arkham Knight, which is their yearly sort of. Uh, homage to the game and in all its forms that's right back to the original arkham horror they're going to have richard lonius there apparently with a massive original arkham horror game to play uh, they all know they'll be showing off arkham horror third edition which we're expecting quarter four 
um, and there is going to be a chance to win a seat at the table to design a card for the Arkham Horror LCG, which will be printed there and then and handed out to attendees, nice. which sounds really, really cool. Um, so yeah, I got a chance to talk to the Matt Newman, the, uh, the designer, and the other designers whose names temporarily escaped me. Um, and yeah, sit down and design cards with them. That's really, really cool. And the most recent piece of news out of them is uh, a new invocation event, which is their sort... They only have a sort of yearly event for their L- their cooperative LCGs like Lord of the Rings and Arkham Horror. Uh, and this is the most recent one they've announced. Um, so we are going to Cairo with this one. And th- I think this was played at Gen Con this year as well. The scenario is called The Eternal Slumber. And they are going to put all the stats of like who wins who res- uh, what who gets resigned or defeated who gets resolution one two or whatever who, number of characters um killed during the during it and that will all feed into uh, the second scenario that comes out later in the year uh called the knight's usurper and those will both be released together for full release sometime later in the year but the the effects the effects of one event are going to affect the uh, second scenario which is really cool really interesting to see uh, on top of that they've uh, just released an updated fact as well which is worth checking out if you're really into the lcg just a few clarifications for forgotten age stuff and a few carderatus as well i think they're doing some really interesting things to just keep people going with this game you know there's obviously the main cycles that they bring out but you know the return to boxes i think some of the community do seem see it as kind of a a cash cow thing you know trying to get more money out of people but actually it's it's more game it's storage which honestly is quite a nice thing you know it's kind of official game storage which is always good um and i think it's just keeping you interested in those older cycles I think it's a really good way to do that and a really refreshing way to do that. Yeah, I agree. It brings you back to the older cycles, allows you to look at them again. There's some more player cards in there as well, so they're not like totally without merit for that. And uh, I would like to see a little bit more sort of like store support for other like different formats of the game, like a little bit more invocation events that kind of thing i don't need necessarily need the mats and that kind of thing that's really that's really expensive for them to produce it, it would be nice to see a little bit more organized play but I, I think in general they're doing a really good job with arkham horror i love it to bits i'm playing through forgotten age just now it's a lot it feels a lot pulpier than um carcosa did like, cool. carcosa I'm, I'm was an excellently to told it. story we're gonna get to it once it's all been released yeah sure um but it it seems cool. I'm, I'm following yeah. the articles as they come out, and it's yeah. seeming like a like nice Car- Carcosa story. was like really good, like a fantastically told campaign, like really, really hard to sort of tell what was going on all the time. There were some really good it, moments in that came, yeah. campaign. I felt I I preferred the story of the Danish Legacy, uh, oh, frankly. Okay. Um, but I think there were some really, really good, strong theme moments um, for us in our playthrough, blindly running around Paris, not really what's go- going, knowing what's going on, and just being haunted by. Is it Bayakis? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Biaki. By Bayakis. Um that was that was a really good that was a really good story. Yeah, I, I loved the Path of Carcos. Um, I thought I thought it was the strongest campaign yet. Forgotten Ages on a par so far, but it's it, it's different. It's quite pulpy because it's got that sort of jungle Indiana I'm up Jones for that, kind though. of adventure really kind up for of that. thing to it. Super uh, and it, it feel you feel that a bit more. It's less less sort of creepy cosmic horror, more sort of like hacking through jungles. Oh I like the sound of that. I so will much. want I will play this at some point. Because it's I know you two have been talking about talking to me about it for a very long time. Obviously, I hear how excited you guys are about it on the podcast a lot, and it sounds fantastic. Um, I think it's what's stopping me from going and out and buying a box myself is by myself. I know I'm not a huge fan of uh, 
living card, card games, games and deck card. builders yeah deck builders i've been yeah. i was uh, as i've said before i've been burned before and i kind of it's kind of slightly throwing me off it so if i had mm-hmm. one or both of you guys yeah. sitting there going okay this is what we're doing talk me through it well we've, we've got we've got enough to cover four players so fantastic yeah. so at some we can point always meet up one i must weekend sit down and play have a good play I, I, I i promise you this we have to arrange a day for a whole campaign playthrough sounds excellent oh my god two days <laughs> So um, I hear there's some this convention coming up, something in Germany. Is what it? is there? Yeah. Oh yeah, another one. Another. Apparently, there's so many I can't keep track. I'm I'm not really sure what it is. I was hoping, like you guys seem to be kind of more on it with that kind of news. So I was hoping you could maybe like give me a rundown or something. I wasn't too sure what's going on. Do you mean Essen, Sam? The biggest board game convention in the world. That that convention. <laughs> Well, Sam, let me tell you, there's a lot of games coming out at Essen. There's over 900 games on the current BGG preview list. That is a lot of games, and there's going to be more by the time the Essen comes around. So first up, I have Swordcrafters from Adam's Apple Games. This is a game where you literally build a cardboard sword, uh, bits and pieces in a I-cut-you-choose kind of mechanic. Next up, I've got Ruthless from Alley Cat Games. This I previewed at Games Expo this year. It is finally going to be out at Essen in both an English edition from Alley Cat Games, German edition from Board Game Circus. Alley Cat Games are also going to be showing off their new roll-on-write called Welcome to Dino World. I'll let you guess what that's about. From Cephalofair Games, we see Gloomhaven Forgotten Circles. If you get to the end of the Gloomhaven campaign, FNAF for an hour, that's never going to happen. Here is an expansion for you, introducing a new class and a bunch of new scenarios as well. I have got a few games from Happy Boab Games. They are a Malaysian company. Their games are really quite good, like little party games. I have got Layers and Folded, which we have all played recently. Well, you can buy Layers at Essen, and they have a new version of Folded called Magic Fold, which seems to have a race mechanic added onto it, like a little and a little mar- magic carpety kind of race game added on to the folding game of matching and frustration. We spoke to Martin Wallace at Games Expo this year. He has a new game called Wildlands that is coming out from Osprey Games, British British company, a little skirmish game, getting a lot of good press right now. And I'm really looking forward to that one. It's a sort of car-based skirmish game. It looks really good. I might pick that one up myself. And Arboretum, or is that Arboretum? It depends on which edition you got on the most recent one. But uh, I believe they have sorted out that problem. But Arboretum is back out from Renegade Game Studios. I am personally looking forward to that. Been after that game for a long time. Um, smell, sma- no, 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 smell Smashers. Smell Smashers. <laughs> Absolutely. Smell Smashers. Spell Smashers from Renegade Game Studios. It's a fancy battle and a word game all in one. Sounds really interesting. I'd be quite keen to try that out. I know very little about it other than that. And finally, I have um, my friends Yay Games. They have got Omino's Hieroglyphs, which is a game I played at GameSpot for this year. It's really good um, little tile matching uh, placement game, and I urge you to check it out along with their original game, Omino's. Wow, that's a that's a big old list. You know, there's there's a few things there. Well, that Sam, definitely ju- Sam, yeah? wait, there's more. There, there can't be more. I'm very interested in Battlestar Galactica Starship Battles by Ares Games. We've covered it previously on the podcast. It's going to be like X-Wing Miniatures, except it's Battlestar Galactica. Get in your Vipers and take down those Cylons. Fantastic. 
We've also got from Sit Down Games, Magic Maze Kids, the second time we brought it up on this podcast. It's Magic Maze for younger people, introducing them to the game a bit more. After that, we've got K2 Lotsi from Rebel. It's going to be more K2 that I enjoy, mountain climbing, but it's on a new mountain range. Hopefully that's going to be a lot more fun and stressful as well. We've got Planet from Blue Orange Games. Each player is going to receive a planet core without anything on it. It's about 9 or 10 sided object and you're going to stick tiles on it representing different biomes. It looks great fun. It's also got the artist who did photosynthesis, Sabrina Miramon, doing the art and it looks phenomenal art. Also from Blue Orange Games we have Mackie Stack. It's a dexterity balancing game with irregularly shaped pieces that look like sushi pieces. Also, you can be blindfolded when you're stacking it. That's going to be fun. We have got Mountains from Haba. It's hiking, there's a bit of bluffing, a bit of negotiation. Do you have the right items to do this proper hike? It sounds boring, but I think it might not be. This is me, I enjoy boring games. I enjoy boring games. From Matago, we've got Treasure Island. No idea why I like this, not as if Treasure Island's one of my favourite books or anything like that. Every player is searching on a map for buried treasure. One player is Long John Silver, who is giving them cryptic instructions to where the treasure may be. Only John Silver knows what the treasure may be. He might be able to grab it for the rest of them. I need to breathe. And we also have from Hyber, or HYBR, we have Soviet Kitchen. Co-op card game about grinding the weirdest ingredients. You have to match the colour of dishes ordered by the Soviet people and avoid hitting toxicity level for as many rounds as possible. It'll have an integrated app and it looks nice and grim and silly. Oh, and last of all, coming in the last thing, we have The River from Days of Wonder. I know sounds very interested in that. I could tell you more about it, but I don't have the BGG page up on it for some reason all of a sudden. So there you go, Sam. Biggest board game convention in the world. Oof. Huge amount of space, thousands of games. Well, like lots, lots of things. To, I like the sound of Planet. I obviously like the sound of anything Days of Wonder. Um, Mackie Stack sounds cool. Swordcrafters sounds cool. Spell Smashers sounds really intriguing. Um, yeah, let's let's play some games. Play some games because they're not out for another like months. <laughs> uh, a lot of them will be available at um you can check out the bgg preview list that will tell you whether those games are out for demo or for sale as well um, good stuff we'll put a link to that in the show notes nice one Great. Recent news has said us that the Scramble Dictionary has been updated, much to the chagrin of some of the competitors of that game. New words have been introduced to reflect um, the changing nature of the English language, as one might expect. But this led uh, the Brainwaves team to start thinking about um, facts and updates that we get for games. And it, it, in a world where we see a lot of DLC updates for PC games, uh, we are now seeing a lot of facts, erratas for board games, car games, and that kind of thing. And we were wondering, is, is this a symptom of faster design cycles to push out product and then basically patch the games after release or is it just a natural evolution of companies engaging better with the community and listening to feedback what do we think guys it's uh, i think it's definitely a bit of both just going back to what you're saying about scrabble by its very nature it's based on the english language and the english language is an ever-evolving fluid thing you know there's always neologisms coming in and archaisms being pushed out um so it's quite an easy one just to bring in but as you said much to the chagrin of people going but i want to use all these two-letter words and how dare these proper nouns or for example okay just the letters o and k be allowed because it shouldn't be 
Yeah, I mean, games. some games do naturally evolve. I mean, like, especially LCGs, like we were talking about earlier with Arkham Horror, it's got a new errata and fat count. And this that is just the nature of as a card pool grows, as a game of that nature grows, where you've got lots of different moving parts. Some will interact in unexpected ways. The designers cannot test every single combination. It's just not possible. And they need erratas and facts and that kind of thing to deal with it. What does disappoint me a little bit is that uh, for games, uh, games like Doomtown, Doomtown used to do a thing where when an errata was needed on a card it would actually physically reprint that card down the line with the correct wording on it and it is annoying to have to like remember that a card has been errated sometimes especially if it's been massively errated like uh, actual wording changed a lot it would be nice to see companies like ffg uh pushing out uh, new re- new reprints of those cards and packs down the line it or, really the, or even the next cycle especially with arkham going that way you know, yeah. it would it would be great to see that happening. I know that one of the one of the many reasons why they rebooted the X Wing Miniatures game is because that FAQ errata list got huge. Uh, that's why know? Game of Thrones card game got a second edition as well. As its fact was just getting absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and it's interesting seeing we had a talk before we started recording and we mentioned some of the possible downsides to this as well. And it would be interesting to see if they can maybe stick to their word or keep this up with the transition over to X-Wing 2nd Edition and the fact that no cards have point costs on them anymore so that if something does start getting overpowered or is slightly too big for its boots then actually instead of erratering a card and changing what that card actually does within the game they can just change the points cost of that so if something's very... um, if something is overpowered, they can add another 20, 30, 40 points to to being able to put that ship in your list, yeah, which is that... one way of doing it. It'll be interesting, as you were saying, to, to see if they can stick to that. Yeah, that might work, but um, like FFG have a long history of uh, what one of my friends would like to call mush words, uh, where they don't quite get their words right. And they've had a couple of instances in with it. The Arkham Horror LCG has been good for words mostly. Uh, for, for like clarity of, of explanation but there have been a few instances of like yeah you've just wrote the wrong thing on this card and they needed to to basically write it straight away i have seen a couple um but come back to the idea that like it's is it faster design cycles pushing this stuff out i think especially in the case of kickstars you do see some of this stuff where rule books get around after the fact i was a backer of sedition wars way back in the day which is a game now infamous for its very bad rule book that rule book got completely changed after the kickstar was in people's hands like literally change from top to bottom the game was different i i think we probably should have said this earlier but i think we'd like to clarify what we mean by an update we don't mean a new edition or like reprinting no. like in the middle of an exi- the existence of this product as 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 an addition as a thing it's either online or physical copy uh documentation going this is things uh, things need to change x y and z if it's points costs or wordings or symbols on cards yeah so things such as a, a card comes out printed for arkham horror and then a couple months later down the road the, the designers say well maybe that word sometimes a lot of erratas are just clarifications on wordings yeah. so you get just get a better understanding of actually maybe the timings of an event that a card plays into or sometimes to a very extreme context um designers will just straight up change an effect of a card or nerf an effect of a card if it's just simply too powerful 
Yeah, I mean, which... certainly there's like ban lists and that kind of thing on top of this, on top of ratas and facts as well, uh, and that's probably something for a different conversation. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think a lot of the time, like um, ratas and facts, they are sort of necessary for more complicated games like collectible games, games with lots of little individual yeah. moving parts, and especially uh, a game like Arkham Horror, where actually that's not, you know. If we're talking about second editions and things, you know, we we can possibly a second see a second edition happening many many years down the line. But until that point, this game's having a lot of content added to it that can yeah. frankly just possibly overcomplicate things, and that's why these things are needed. It seems to be predominantly um, uh, living card games, collectible card games, and uh, just miniatures ongoing games. games, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying. On, ongoing games, but it seems to be nowadays we're seeing it mostly with uh, with with those particular kind of games. Because um, I know, for example, that uh, Star Trek Attack Wing, their errata list got stupidly long as well, and it was due to misprinting on cards. Uh, and they too announced a second edition. They well, sort of. Yeah, it's kind of a second edition. They basically just announced a not a rules overhaul, but a rules tighten up. They it's, reset yeah. the game in a they, sense, so, but, but they allowed all the cards that have been used previously to still be allowed. So it's not as if they're update. They're not changing everything around. They're just they're just fixing things. It's as you said. You know, it's it's unavoidable with a lot of collectible games because power creep seems to be almost an inevitability. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing in uh, competitive. Uh, miniatures games as well like um, my brother-in-law Dave plays Infinity and what they do now, they basically fold Fak and Arata's into the way they release the game over the course of the year as I understand it every now and again they basically say okay here's the next rules update and they sort of tweak things around a little bit after feedback from the community and that kind of thing but it's effectively baked into the way they sell the system to people is that we are looking at the system we're keeping an eye on it and every now and again we're going to release an update that says Okay, this stuff works slightly differently, or we're tweaking this and that, that kind seems of thing. To be exactly so that, that's the... that's an interesting way to approach it. Like basically, make sure that people are ready for that kind of thing to happen. In the end, I mean, I, I think like basically we're we're pretty on okay with facts and arrays. But in general, if if you're going to get into like a, a collectible game, a community game, like something like X Wing. Arkham, Game of Thrones, anything like that. Be aware that you are, if you are going to play competitively, if you're going to play a bit, a little bit seriously into it and really get into that game, you're going to need to pay attention to facts and errata's to really get the best out of that game. Well, uh, I think that is about all we have time for this week on Brainwaves. Um, I'd just like to give a wee shout out to the folks from Dice Summoners. Uh, they are on Kickstarter right now, about halfway through their campaign and about halfway funded. They were on my playtest stand at Tabletop Scotland. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play the game myself, but it looked really fun. A little dice some, uh, battling game. Um, uh, and it's up on Kickstarter right now, so you should go and check that out and give them your backing if it looks like it's for you. Well, that's all we've got time for today on Brainwaves. Um, if you really enjoyed the show today, you can always help us out by throwing us a few dollars on Patreon. And if you enjoyed any of the news in the show today, just look for the links down in the show notes on your podcast app. Also, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, one of the best ways to help out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on many platforms, Twitter at The Giant Brain, Instagram Giant Brain UK, Facebook The Giant Brain. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk or you can get in touch in an email with giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.